God, we lay that prayer before you today, what we just sang. And we thank you that you encourage us in your word. Lord, to call upon you to bless our families, to bless our children, to bless our grandchildren, to bless our coming and our going, to bless the, the work of our hands. Lord, to bless our church and our community and our nation. Lord, we need the favor of God. Lord, we need the grace and mercy of God in our nation today. We need the grace and mercy of God in our homes and in our families today, Lord. And we, we receive that blessing today, and we thank you for that blessing. Will you lift your hands all over this room, and will you just say, God, I thank you that what I've sang today, what I've prayed today, that that blessing is over my family. Just thank him right now. Come on. Out loud, just say, God, I thank you, Lord. For the blessings that are coming because I have, I, have been, I have been true to your word today. I have sang your word over my family. And God, in advance today, we thank you today for the blessings and for the grace and the mercy that's going to follow us all the days of our lives. God, as we sing your word, as we declare your word, and as we pray your word over our lives today. God, as we come to your word today. Lord, we pray that our hearts and our spirits would be open today. Lord, you'll say to us exactly what you want to say. And God, our minds, our hearts, and our lives will be transformed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. God bless you today. Thank you, worship team, as always, for doing an awesome job leading us into the presence of the Lord today. Are you thankful for these musicians and these singers? Who work, let them know, let them know, come on. Work so hard every week to lead us into the presence of the Lord, and they do a fantastic job. Well, turn in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 10. If you've got the Version Bible app, you can turn there this morning and follow along with the scriptures and the points as we go. And we're going to conclude a message series we've been in for a few weeks today called uh, Better Together. And uh, we're going to conclude this morning with communion. And so as you're turning in your, in your Bibles today and getting all of that ready, let me just take a minute and remind you that we are right on the verge of Easter season. And we get to have Easter this year together. Amen. I know I'm excited about that. And, and I believe you are too. And uh, we've got a lot of events and fellowship activities and worship uh, events over the next few weeks to engage you and your family in Easter. I, I want to mention to you, if you're not involved in our Wednesday nights, uh, you're missing out. God is doing some awesome things around here on Wednesday nights, and we are having an incredible study for adults here in the uh, sanctuary as we're looking at the last week in the, of the life of Jesus, just really doing some in-depth study. And the last two weeks have just been amazing. I'd encourage you to be a part of that. And uh, men, we need your help next Saturday. We have our men's work day, and we're going to do some things inside and outside to prepare for Easter. And just, it's that time of year. You're probably springing up your yard, and we're going to spring up the church as well. This is a great crowd for 930 on, uh, on Spring Forward Sunday. So that means that this crowd really loves Jesus. The, the 11 o'clock crowd, they just like Jesus. I'll be fair, there's a lot of people who come to the nine who are in the growth track this morning, so don't tell them I said that. But uh, let's look at this verse, Hebrews 11, I'm sorry, 10, verse 21. The writer of Hebrews says, And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty consciences have been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But encourage one another especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen.
last few weeks, we've been unpacking what it means to be better together as a church family. The first week of this series, we said that we're better together when we spur one another on, when we encourage one another. The second week, we said that we are better together when we are unified, when we take personal responsibility for the unity of our church and we guard the unity of our church. Last week, we said we're better together when we operate in our gifts and we figure out what it is that God has gifted us to do and we put those in operation in the body. And today, we're going to wrap up this series by talking about that we are better together when we worship corporately. We're better together when we worship corporately. Now, I want to ask you a question. How many of you today would say that you have a deeper appreciation for corporate worship today than you did a year ago at this time. I think most of us do. A year ago this week is one of those do you remember where you were moments and we tend to have those in U.S. history from time to time. Every generation has a moment that they can say I remember where I was when fill in the blank. For my parents and grandparents' generation, it would probably be November the 22nd, 1963. I remember where I was when I heard the news about the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Many of you could say that, who remember that. For most of us here, it would be September the 11th, 2001. We remember where we were when we began to hear the news reports and understand that there was something terrible going on as a terrorist attack began in our nation. And then, although we may not remember the date, we will never forget March 2020, when everything changed. And the date actually was March 11th, 2020, the day that the WHO, the World Health Organization, declared COVID-19 a pandemic. And, uh, and I, I didn't really remember that date, but as I looked at it on the calendar, that was a Wednesday. And I did remember some things that specifically happened that Wednesday evening. That Wednesday evening, I was over in the Life Center preparing uh, coffee for a men's small group. I was in the kitchen, and Pastor Kevin came in, and, and uh, he, said, he said, So, Pastor, we're going to cancel church Sunday? And I was thinking, man, you've got to be kidding. You know, I'd heard a few churches were canceling because of a pandemic, or, and I'm thinking, ain't no way. We're closing church. And we began to talk about it. And then I got home that night, and Brock and I, we like to watch basketball. So we were, we were cutting on some basketball, and we noticed as NBA players walked off the court and said, we don't feel safe playing. And the next day, the NBA season was canceled, and the NCAA basketball tournament was canceled. And on, on Friday of that week, Jack and I were having lunch for his birthday, eating tacos. And it came up on the screen that the Masters golf tournament in Augusta would be postponed. And we know that was eventually canceled. And the ball just kind of started rolling from there. The Sunday before March the 11th, we had 236 people in church. We were... One service at that time, we had a lot of energy and, and momentum. Great things were going on in the life of our church. And the next Sunday, we, we had church, and we were down under 200, 190. Hadn't been under 200 in a while. And little did we know that would be the last Sunday that we would worship together for, for quite a while. As the following Sunday, I believe it was March the 22nd, we would have about 12 to 15 people in here. And I... Never wanted to be a televangelist, but became one that day as I learned how to look at the camera and, and speak. You might remember hearing terms in the early days. You may have forgot about terms like uh, two weeks to flatten the curve. Remember when they told us that? And when we got through two weeks to flatten the curve, it was, well, just a few more weeks and we'll be okay. And I can remember President Trump saying uh, and giving us hope that maybe by Easter Sunday, I can remember in a press conference, he said, man, wouldn't Easter be a great day for us to open back up America? And yet we went on week after week after week, and it just continued. And of all the things I've thought about, worried about, prayed about, and 25 years of, of ministry, I never thought about the possibility of us not being able to worship together as a church family under one roof. So I ask you that question again. How many of you have a greater appreciation of corporate worship today than you did a year ago? It's one of those you don't know what you've got till it's gone things, isn't it? 
uh, when churches, well, I can always go to church and then it's not there, it really makes a difference. And so we've definitely learned over the last year, we, we've kind of learned the hard way, that we are better together when we worship corporately under the same roof. Now, this message today as we talk about this, it's not really one for us as a church family to say, okay, we need to do better. You know, we're not doing too good in this area. Because let me tell you, let me brag on you for a minute how, how great our church is doing right now. It's amazing the momentum and the blessing, as we just sang, that God has placed on our church in this season. As you know, we have two services now. Last Sunday, we had 305 people in worship here on campus. That, that's pretty awesome. That's way more than we had before COVID started. This past Wednesday night, we had 170 people on campus. That's pretty amazing. And some of y'all who are clapping don't come on Wednesday, so come on. Get here on Wednesday night. We'll clap for you when you show up. We had 28 people last Sunday morning in the growth track for the first Sunday uh, wanting to join our church and learn more about the life of our church. And our giving over the last year has been better than it's been in a decade. All of that's because of you, because of your faithfulness to give, because of your love for the Lord, because of your love for your church family, and because of your desire to do what's on the screen. And you know we are better together when we worship corporately. So we know it's true, but why is it true? So this morning, uh, we're going to unpack that today, and we're going to talk about the who the why and the how of corporate worship. So here's the first thing I want to talk to you about this morning. We are better together when we get the who of corporate worship right. We're better together when we get the who of corporate worship right. Now, I'm going to preach to me before I preach to you. Because let me talk to you about the pastor's point of view. When I come in on Sunday mornings, the things that are on my mind as I'm thinking as, as, as we get, and, and we're going to call it the pastor's POV today. Put that screen up, Jack. The, my point of view. And here's what I'm thinking about when I come in on a Sunday morning. Who's here? Who's not here? Are people serving where they need to be serving? Is everything going good in Kid City? Is everything going good in the nursery? Oh, they're hugging. They're handshaking. I hope they're not sick. You know, where's this person does the new person like our church? How's the singing going? Are people awake? Are people engaged? Are people giving? Are people going to come back next week? And all those things are rolling through my mind. And it's easy for me to come in and out every week and, I'll be honest, not truly engage with a living, loving, omnipotent, gracious, heavenly Father who's Seeing what I'm going to do as I come to church. That's me. So what about you? Are you ever guilty of the same thing? Is it easy for you to come in church on a Sunday morning and just focus on your surroundings? Okay, got to get in the building. Got to get my kids in Kid City. Kids in the nursery. Got to get my cup of coffee. Oh, there's a new t-shirt to buy. Oh, there's some new people here. Oh, do I shake a hand? Oh, I don't know. Do I wear my mask? Uh, okay, now we're in here. We're singing. Okay, I don't know that song. Hey, I know that song. They're singing too long. He's preaching too long. Oh, I wish he'd preach longer. Never heard anybody say that. But, but, but that's kind of your, that's the congregation's point of view. And just like it is for me, it can be for you that you can come in and, and out every week and not truly, listen, not truly engage with a loving, living, omnipotent, faithful God. Is that fair? Is it fair for all of us to say that that's a possibility? Can I, can I push you just a little bit more and, and just say this to us? I think it's easy sometimes for us to get in that mode for years and years and years. Because what can happen is we'll be thinking so much about our point of view. And, and, and for those of us who have kids or grandkids, and we're like, man, I want to, I, and I, I make no bones about it. I know one of the reasons for the growth of our church is we have an incredible kids program and youth program. And people want to come to a church where they know their kids are going to be, be, be grow, grow up in the Lord and their teens are going to grow up in the Lord. And, and, and you want your kids to be good kids, right? You want your teenagers to, to be good teenagers. But I've seen adults, and, and that's great, and I commend you for that, and that's what you should be doing as parents. 
But I've seen adults be so focused on their children, making sure they're in kids' church and making sure they're in, in youth through the years, that they have a what I'm going to call a church empty nest syndrome. That when their kids get all the way through, then they're like, what do I do with my church? And they leave their church. They're disengaged with church. I've seen people who were, who were here all the time, but once their kids were gone, they were gone. And I wonder if maybe they got the point of view out of whack. They were doing the right thing to have their kids in church, but they, they did not realize that there's going to be an empty nest one day. And it's going to be in my, you know, the things we say about you and your spouse, but also me and me and God. So I want to encourage you that as you do all those things that you should be doing, keep your focus on the Lord. Amen. So we said there's God's point of, uh, there's uh, the pastor's point of view, there's the congregation's point of view. Well, what's God's point of view? As God looks down this morning and He sees churches all over the world worshiping, what does God see? Well. In John chapter 4, Jesus had a conversation with a Samaritan woman at the well, and he told her what God's point of view of corporate worship is. Listen, he said, A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Watch this, everybody. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus said the Father's point of view is that the Father is looking for people to worship Him in spirit and truth. How does it make you feel to know that God is looking for your worship? That can bring out a lot of different feelings. It can make you feel a little intimidated or or shy or overwhelmed. But I'm going to tell you, it makes me feel like, wow, If Almighty God and everything He's got going on in His to-do list today is looking to see if I'm going to engage in worship with Him, then I don't want to miss that opportunity. See, some people might say, well, there's no way that God would be looking for my worship pastor because you don't know everything I've done. Well, I know what Jesus did. And Jesus died for you while you were yet a sinner. John 3.16 says, whosoever will. So God is looking for whosoever will worship Him. That means that for all of us, no matter where we are, because of the cross and the blood of Jesus and the resurrection, we all have an all-access pass into His presence. And the Father, we may be focused on our kids and our coffee and who's here and who's not, but the Father, make no mistake about it, He's looking at you and me and seeing if we will engage. We are better together when we get the who of corporate worship right. This this is how I thought about this this week. And see if this makes sense for you. How many of you have great memories of going to your grandparents' house growing up? I definitely do. And those of you who are young enough to still have your grandparents, you're, you're blessed All my grandparents are already in heaven with the Lord, but I have great memories of of going to my grandparents' house growing up. And, and, you know, it was a great place to get good food, and there were fun things to do at Grandma and Grandpa's house. But as I began to think about it, there were many times where there were so many things to do at the house that I failed to spend time with my grandparents. I think in the later years, I began to realize that, and became to appreciate those times where I could just sit and have a conversation with them and listen to those stories and appreciate them. And I think it kind of works the same way when we come into the presence of the Lord. Now, make no mistake, okay? I'm not saying we should see God as this grandpa in a rocking chair with long white hair and a long white beard. That is not, if that's your perception of God, then that's not the perception of Scripture, Okay? He's not just a grandpa just sitting on heaven's porch waiting for you to get home. Okay? He's omnipotent, omniscient, all-seeing, all-loving, almighty God. Amen? But there's something that I know about my grandparents' house. See, at grandma's and grandpa's, what do we know about grandparents? We know that they give us unconditional love. They are extravagant givers. They have interesting stories. They have endless 
wisdom. And they're always thinking and praying for their family. Sounds a lot like God the Father, doesn't it? Unconditional love. Extravagant giver. Interesting stories, right? Endless wisdom and always thinking for us and praying for us. And sometimes we treat our time in the house of God like we treat a visit to grandmas and grandpas. We come in, we have fun, we play, we get the food, and we go home. But we never sat down across from grandma or grandpa and heard their stories and heard their heart and felt their love and engaged in a personal relationship with them. Does this make sense? Don't miss the who of corporate worship. Don't miss the opportunity to to connect with a God. Remember, Jesus said the Father searches for those who will worship him in spirit and truth. The great pastor and writer A.W. Tozer in his book, The Pursuit of God, said, God waits to be wanted. Think about that. That resonates with what James said in James 4 and 8, that when we draw near to God... God draws near to us. So let me ask you a question this morning. Do you need to do a better job of getting the who of corporate worship right? Could you do a better job coming in on Sunday mornings and focusing more on him than all the other distractions? I know I can. So we're better together when we get the who of corporate worship right. Secondly, we're better together when we get the why of corporate worship right. So here's the question, why? Why do we worship together corporately? Why do we come together every Sunday and and worship? Well, first of all, because we're commanded to worship corporately. The Bible tells us to do what we're doing right now. In Psalm 150, listen what the psalmist says. The psalmist says, praise the Lord. Praise God where? In his sanctuary. That's where we're at right now. This is his sanctuary, amen, the house of God. Praise God in his sanctuary, but we, we don't just praise him there. Praise him in the mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power, for his surpassing greatness, on and on and on. We're going to talk more about that verse here in a few minutes. But Psalm 150 is one of many scriptures in the Old Testament that tell us and command us to worship together corporately. The same is true in the New Testament. We read it a moment ago in Hebrews chapter 10 where the writer of Hebrews says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another. Here's a real simple, obvious, kind of well-duh moment for the message today. How can I... Hold tight and motivate one another and spur one another on, as we talked about a few weeks ago, and encourage one another if there's not a one another. I've got to be with the people of God in the house of God to be able to do that the way the Scripture talks about. Can I send a text? Yes. Can I make a phone call? Yes. Can we have coffee? Yes, but not at Starbucks. Can we do things, you know, in the places that are open? Can we spend time together outside of this place as the body of Christ? This means yes. Should we? Yes. But nothing replaces what we do here every Sunday morning. Being together as the body of Christ. I hear people say all the time, I heard somebody say it last Sunday, I don't know how people make it without the Lord. I don't know. I don't know how people make it without God. And when somebody said that to me last Sunday, I said, I know how they make it. I said, they make it in a bottle and with a drug and with a pill and with something else that they escape the reality of this world because they've got to find a way to get their mind off of what's going on. We run to the Word. We run to the rock. Amen? But I will add to that sentence, I don't know how people make it without the Lord. I agree, but I don't know how people make it without corporate worship in a church family. I don't know how people do it. And I'm not saying that because I get paid to say it and I'm the pastor. I don't know how people live without that because we are commanded to do it. And it's not just something that, that the Old Testament did. The early church did it. We talked about this in our series 
on Acts that when you read about the early church in Acts chapter 2 and Acts chapter 4 and Acts chapter 6 and 7, it says over and over and over that they were together. They were worshiping together. They were in each other's homes. They were, they were sharing things. But they were constantly joined together. So the first why is that we're commanded to worship corporately. And here's another why. Here's another reason why we should worship corporately. Not just because we're commanded to, but because we are transformed when we worship corporately. We are transformed when we worship corporately. When I worship with you, my past is transformed. I can leave my sin and my mistakes and the junk that I've done, I can leave them in the presence of God and at the feet of Jesus as we sang a moment ago and at the cross and in corporate worship, my past is transformed. Amen? My present is transformed. Anybody come into church, and boy, I hope you'll say amen and smile and nod at me with this, but do you come into church and you leave with a better attitude, a better perspective? You leave encouraged. You leave lifted up. You leave motivated. You leave filled. You leave, you leave refilled. In this place, we should come in the present and be set free and be victorious and experience victory. Be reminded that I'm not alone in this thing. One of my most favorite parts of, of worship on Sunday morning is when we begin to sing and I hear the room singing and, I, and it reminds me, you're not alone in this. There's a, a group of people and believers who believe like you. But not only is my past transformed and my present is transformed, you know what's next. My future is transformed when we worship together corporately. I'm reminded when we worship together that this is not the end. Anybody need to be reminded that 2021 in the good old U.S. of A. is not the end. Corporate worship reminds me that this is a taste of what heaven's going to be like. Amen? We sang it a while ago in this song, House of Miracles. This is a house of worship, a house of praise, a house of healing, a house of miracles. Let this house be a house of transformation. I am not satisfied as your pastor for you to come in and feel just a little bit better than you did when you came in the door. I want you to leave transformed. I want to leave transformed. I want to be different than I Different person when I walk out than when I came in. Anybody else? Amen. We sing a song around here that we've started singing over the last six or eight months. And these are some of the most powerful lyrics that I think we're singing in this building right now. It's a song called The Father's House by Corey Asbury. And every time we sing this bridge, I, I sing it and I say, Lord, this is my prayer for this house. The bridge of this song says, prodigals come home. The helpless find hope. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Prison doors fling wide. The dead come to life. Love is on the move when the father's in the room. Miracles take place. Here's my favorite line. The cynical find faith. Lord, let it be. Love is breaking through when the father's in the room. Jericho walls are quaking. Strongholds now are shaking. Love is breaking through when the father's in the room. Love is breaking through when the father is in the room. We are better together when we get the why of corporate worship right. We're here because we're commanded, but we're also here because we're transformed. And I need all of Jesus I can get. Anybody else? Amen. Amen. Finally, we're better together when we get the how of corporate worship right. We've talked about the who and the why, but what about the, I, the how? I want to tell you this this morning. Everybody, you feel your toes? Just wiggle your toes because I'm about to get on them. Not everybody, but some of you, I'm about to get on your toes a little bit. Corporate worship is not a spectator sport. I should be a participator, not a spectator. Now, unfortunately, the way we have church in modern times sets it up to be a spectator. Because you come in, and you sit in a seat, and your attention goes forward. And it feels like a meeting, 
it feels like a concert. It feels like I'm supposed to come in, I'm supposed to sit, and you're supposed to give to me. And if I want to get connected to what's going on up here, I can, and I might, but that's your job to connect me to what's going on. It's their job to connect me to what's going on. No. Corporate worship is not a spectator sport. It should be a participation. It should be something that we all do together. How do we know that that's true? The scripture tells us this. And it's kind of like the, the example that we gave of the grandparents. You know, I can come in and out of grandma's house and never connect with her. But if I sit and I connect and participate in a conversation and in connectivity to her, it makes a huge difference. And there's three hows of, of, of corporate worship I want you to see this morning. Number one is how we prepare. How do you prepare for corporate worship? Well, pastor, you should just be glad I'm here today because I'm, I'm one hour of sleep less than I usually get. I'm like the man in the Bible. I'm here, I'm clothed, and in my right mind. And some of you are like, I ain't in my right mind. And I know my, my spouse ain't in their right mind. Well, Pastor, I got up. I got my kids here. I came at 9 o'clock. I'm dressed. I'm, uh, I put on deodorant. I brushed my teeth this morning. It's Sunday. It's a Sunday bath. You know, I, I'm here. Is that how I prepare? Well, thank you. We appreciate you doing all of that. But there's more to it than that. Psalm 100 says this. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Watch this. Come before him with what? Joyful what? Songs. That's why I tell Tressa all the time. I said, don't open the service with a slow song. Open the service with a fast song and get people awake and going. Look at verse 4. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. That's how you prepare for corporate worship. You say a prayer on the way on the way in. And some of you are like, I, I pray all the way in that I don't kill my kids and, and, and slap my wife because we're just, we're just glad to get to church. Hey, I know, I know how it is, okay? I know sometimes you just barely get here and, and, and you're thinking, come on, Pastor. I mean, you don't know what it's like to get three kids ready to go to church. Yes, I do. Now, maybe I don't because I've always had to be the first one here. But I want to tell you about a little woman, my wife, who would get three kids ready to be at church when we all had to be here early or whatever church we were at 7.30. All three kids are here ready to go or there ready to go at 7.30 in the morning. So when, when people tell me, well, I just can't get my kids to keep their shoes on. I just can't get them dressed to get here early. I'm like, you came too late because I watched my wife get three. Well, I didn't watch her because I had to go early because I was the pastor or the worship pastor. But I watched a woman do it by herself and get them ready in here on time. It can be done. Man, you are quiet. But that's so true. We prepare by preparing our hearts. So when I pull in the parking lot, maybe instead of screaming and yelling at each other, you could say, aren't we blessed today to be back at church and not watching at home? Aren't we blessed as we pull in the door to be able to have a great kids program to take our kids to? Where, as you're going to see next Sunday on Kids City Sunday that Pastor Josh doesn't just, he doesn't just give them a mint and try to keep them quiet and try to keep them from tearing the place down for, for an hour and a half. You're going to see next Sunday that these kids know more about the Bible than a lot of us do. They're putting us to shame and everything that he's pouring into them. We, when we hit those doors right there, I enter that room with what, y'all? Thanksgiving and praise. I come in realizing this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I come in ready for corporate worship. It's how we prepare. It's also how we pray. Jesus said this, quoting Isaiah 56. He said, my house will be called a house of prayer. This is a house of prayer. And so we pray, I pray for the service. Tressa prays with the worship team. We open the service in prayer. Do you know the whole time you're singing praise and worship, you're praying? You're not just singing, you're praying. You do get that, right? I hope you do get that. That's why you need to participate and sing. Because you, as you participate and sing, you're praying to God. I don't know how to pray. 
just sing the songs you're praying. We're making it easy for you. We pray to start the, to end the worship. We pray to begin the message. We pray at the end. This is a house of prayer. How we prepare is important. How we pray is important. And how we praise is important. And scripture is very specific about the way we should worship together corporately. Not as a spectator, but together corporately. And can I tell you a secret about what I'm about to tell you? This is not found in just the Church of God Pentecostal Bible. It's found in every Bible. What I'm about to share with you. This isn't a Pentecostal thing. This isn't a, well that church is loud thing. It's not a style thing. It's a Bible thing. Watch this. Psalm 95, come let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. There's times where it is biblically correct for us to shout and raise our voice in praise in the house of God. Oh, hallelujah. It's okay for you to do that sometimes. Come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. Why? Here's the why of worship. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. And the psalmist says, when I consider all that, I can't even stand up. Come. Here's another posture of worship. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our maker. Let me tell you, you have liberty and freedom in the house. If you need to do like, and I appreciate the fact that I'm seeing it on this stage from time to time. I see it in these students. If you need to step out from your seat and come down here and you feel like you need to kneel on your face during worship, come on. If you need to step out of your seat and get on your knees and worship God on your knees, it is scriptural to bow down and kneel before God your maker. Amen? Amen. Psalm 95, Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Listen how specific the psalmist is about how we should worship. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. Has God been great to anybody? Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the harp and lyre, the stringed instruments. Praise Him with timbrel and dancing. Praise Him with strings and pipe. Praise Him with the clash of cymbals and with resounding cymbals. Let everything, and the psalmist finally just said, I don't have time to list everything. So let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Now there are some kooks out there. Somebody say kooks. Who say that's an Old Testament thing. We're supposed to come in and be quiet in the house of You ain't reading the whole Bible. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom. Through what? Psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know what Jesus and the disciples did when they left the upper room from the Last Supper? It said they sung a hymn and went to the Mount of Olives. It's there. We're better together when we get the how of corporate worship right. There's something about when there's not just 15% of the room who claps and sings and is engaged and has hands up. Why do, why do you ask us to raise our hands? Why do you ask us to shout? Because it's in Scripture and, and it's our response to a great and an awesome God. I don't have time to unpack all the different postures of worship, but there's nothing we're going to do in here that's not in here. Okay? We're, we're not weird. Okay? We're just biblical. Okay? So here's what we've said. We're better together when we get the who of corporate worship right. We're better together when we get the why of corporate worship right. And we're better together when we get the how of corporate worship right. So, let me close with this thought. Kevin, if you'll come and begin to play. 
I had a conversation a few weeks ago with, with one of my best friends, Dwayne Lipe. He was, he was here a few weeks ago for our uh, marriage conference. And we were talking and catching up a couple weeks ago. And he said, man, he said, he said, if we could have known a year ago what was about to happen with this pandemic and what was going to happen with uh, everything that was coming and how it would affect us as a church, he said, he said how do you think we, we would have responded? He said, what, what do you think? And I, and I was like, I'm glad we didn't know. I, I, I think that we'd have probably been scared to death and somebody said, you know, you're going to have to shut down your church for months and not worship together. And it's going to be even more months before it all kind of gets back to normal. I think we, and maybe even a year before you start picking up again, I just wonder if, you know, what would have happened? How we would have responded to that? But I know how we did respond. I know that in the days of following about a year ago, I, I know our church, our our leadership team and our council, we went to prayer together and meeting together, seeking the wisdom and direction of the Lord. I know I was on numerous Zoom calls and phone calls with other pastors and leaders talking and praying and strategizing as we got past one week and two week and Easter. And okay, we're going to be here for a little while. What can we do to keep the church going? But here's what I have learned over the last year. And I've said this to you before. I think I said it early this year. I think the devil grossly miscalculated the response of the church with COVID-19 because the church, by and large, has stepped up to the occasion. Not just the church, Rinkin Church of God, you guys have, but the church at large. When I say to you that we've had the best giving that we've had in a decade, every other pastor I've talked to has said, over the last year, we've set giving records. How does that happen, y'all, in a pandemic? It happens because the people of God are faithful to the God we just read about, and they believe that He's great, and He's provider, and He's faithful, and He's taken care of us before. I've seen Him move mountains before, and He'll do it again. Amen? And He's done it, and He continues to do it. And whatever the next curveball to come, we know that we are better together as a church and with the presence of God that God can get us through it. And so a few weeks ago, we started the year with this series from the book of Acts. And the first week that we opened up that series, I, I played a song for you that morning, a Gaither song, The, the Church Triumphant, written in 1971. And the night before I was preparing for that message that morning, and I, I Googled that song to listen to it one more time, and I saw a, a website come up for called uh, thechurch.triumphant. And I was like, what is this? And I clicked on it, and I realized, I didn't even know it, I'd already planned to play the old version, that Bill Gaither had gotten in touch with Michael W. Smith. So you've got a... An old school, one of the greatest old school, uh, the, the greatest old school writer and, and worship leader in Bill Gaither, and then one of the greatest of, of our generation, Michael W. Smith. And I don't, can't remember who called who first, but there was a conversation about this song, The Church Triumphant. And they got to talking and said, you know, this is a song that we need to bring back for our churches. The message of this song is so important in this season that we're in. And there's an interview, if you go on YouTube, you can watch it. It's, it's a pretty incredible interview between Bill and Michael. And Bill looks at Michael and he says, you know, I knew you were the guy to do it because I, I don't have those connections with all these new people that you do. And so through Zoom and through all the videos, singing and calling, they put together a group of, of singers and musicians across the board from all different styles of, of Christian, contemporary worship, gospel worship, southern gospel, and put together a 2021 version of this song. And I want to close this morning sharing this song with you and let you see this video because I want us to be reminded again today that the church, she ain't going nowhere. God died for this church, sent his son to build the church, and the church will remain. Before I show you this video, though, I want to go ahead and help you and, and tell you who's in it. 
because if you're like me, you're going to, it's kind of like when you're watching a TV show or you're in a movie and you're like, who is that? Who's that? I know I saw them in something else. Anybody else do that? Try to figure that out. We all do that. But I want to run the list for you this morning because you're going to see a lot of faces. And we're going to watch this video and then we're going to come together and close this morning in communion. But Michael Tate from DC Talk, Nicole C. Mullen, the Martins, Michael W. Smith, Mandisa, Kathy Lee Diff. Kathy Lee Gifford, David Phelps, Sandy Patty, Natalie Grant, Mac Powell from Third Day, Whitney Phelps, Gloria Gaither, Jody McBrayer from Avalon, the Gaither Vocal Band, Pastor Mike, Reverend Jack Graham from Prestonwood Baptist, Reverend Jim Cimbala from Brooklyn Tab, Mark Lowry, Laurie Crouch from TVN, Joel Smallbone from For King and Country, Tubby Mack, Bill Gaither, Francesca Battistelli, Benjamin Backus and Christine DeClario. And the worship team's going to come and get in place. And I want you to enjoy and be ministered to by this video this morning, the 2020 version, 2021 version of the church triumphant. Dear church, from all of us, this song is for you. Let the church be the church. Let the people rejoice For we've set up a question We've made our choice Let the anthems ring out Songs of victory swell For the church triumphant is alive and well. Oh, this has been through, been through battles before. Storms and tempests, rocks on the had a people. Many a foolish conqueror has made the mistake of thinking that because he had driven the church of Jesus Christ out of sight, he had stilled its voice and snuffed out its life. But God has always had a people. The powerful current of a rushing river is not diminished because it is forced to flow underground. No, the purest water is the stream that bursts crystal clear into the sunlight after it has forced its way through solid rock. They have there been charlatans who, like Simon the Magician, sought to barter on the open market that power which cannot be bought or sold. But God has always had a people, men who could not be bought, and women who were beyond purchase. God has always had, had a, a people. people. There have been times of affluence and prosperity when the church's message has been nearly diluted into oblivion by those who sought to make it socially attractive, neatly organized, and financially profitable. It has been gold-plated, draped in purple, and encrusted with jewels. It has been, been misrepresented, ridiculed, lauded, and scorned. These, These followers, followers of, of Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ have been, according to the whim of the times, elevated as sacred leaders and martyred as heretics. Yet, through it all, there marches on that powerful army of the meek, God's chosen people who cannot be bought, flattered, murdered, or still. On through the ages they march, the church, God's church, triumphant, alive, and well.
and child of God, it's alive. Discouraged Pastor is his church and is still alive. Lonely missionary, sow that seed with confidence. The church is still alive. Old saint, you're not alone and forgotten. The church is still alive. It's alive, my broken-hearted friend. It's still alive. Busy mothers, just keep trusting in Jesus. The church is alive. To my dear young student, you are not alone out there serving God. The church is very much still alive. Faithful fathers, rest in the Lord. God's church is still alive. Cynical skeptic, you have not killed God with your noisy unbelief. He's still alive. So family of God, lift your hands and praise the Lord. God's church, the church triumphant, is alive and well. Let's stand together this morning, and if you will take the elements that you have to there with you that you should have gotten as you came in today, and if you do not have uh, communion elements, if you'll just raise your hand, and uh, Pastor Kevin will get those to you. But go ahead and open those up. Take the top off. Take both tops off until you've just got that wafer and the juice there. As you do that, I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul said, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes I think it's very appropriate that we come to the table of the Lord today because as the church the church remains alive for one reason because Jesus is alive because of what he did the night that he sat around with his disciples and said, this is all different from now on. This is my body and it is broken for you. Tomorrow I will give my blood for you that you may have eternal life. Let's take the bread this morning representing the body of Christ. And Lord, we thank you today for your body. And that because of your brokenness, and in your brokenness, we are made whole. If you're here today, and any area in your life is broken, because Jesus was broken, you too can be made whole, because he was made whole as he rose from the dead. Be healed, be whole. May those broken areas in your life today receive life in Jesus' name. 
Let's receive the cup that represents the blood of Christ together today. If you'll just put that aside there for a moment. Can we lift our hands as the scripture instructs us to? And will you just give personal thanks to God today? Give him thanks today for giving his son. Give Jesus thanks that through his brokenness you are made whole. God, today we thank you and we praise you today. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. We thank you today for your mercy. We thank you today that you have built the church through your life, death, and resurrection. And because you were triumphant over death, hell, and the grave, Lord, we, your body, the church, are triumphant. We live and walk in victory. And God, may we do that. Lord, may we do that today like never before. Father, I pray today that as we close this service and we've been talking about the importance of corporate worship, that, Lord, the very things we've talked about today, that in this house, God, those things would take place. Those things that we've talked about and we've sang about today, Lord, would take place, that this would be a house of healing. This is the Father's house. And we pray today, God, that, Lord, what we sing, what we believe, we declare it over this house today. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's close this morning today by singing this song, declaring it over our lives, and declaring it over this house. Come on, sing this with us today. Sometimes on this journey, get lost in my mistakes. What looks to me like weakness is a canvas for your strength. My story isn't over, my story's just begun. Failure won't define me, that's what my father does. Failure won't define me, that's what my father Drop off your communion uh, trash as you go. But there also 
are some little uh, invite cards that are out there that as you go, we have the most important, one of the most important and and, uh, best opportunities of our year to be able to reach people who are far from God who would come to church at Easter season. We have some little cards that you can use to write a personal note on, to hand to somebody at work, in your neighborhood. Take one of those and give it to somebody. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. We'll see you back here Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. I want to see you here. God, have, have a great afternoon. God bless you.